0: Just one thing, dude. What's that? You have to use so many cuss words. What the f are you talking about?
1: Well, it was all that I could do to keep from crying.
2: Well, you know who, who had the, his ashes uh, spread at home plate? The dude that did the co- Go Cups Go song. Yeah, Steve, Wasn't him Goodman? Goodman. Yeah, Goodman? Yeah, Steve Goodman. He wrote? he
0: wrote the perfect country and western song, and then he sent it to either Waylon Jennings or one of those guys.
1: Well, a friend of mine named Steve Goodman wrote that song, and he told me it was the perfect country and western song. They read it and they said, "This is almost perfect, but you didn't mention anything about mama <laughs> or prison." Because he hadn't said anything at all about mama or, or a train, train or train or pickup trucks or truck. So then goodwin allegedly wrote prison. the next verse. Which was, it drunk. was raining the day my mama got out of prison. <laughs> <laughs> I was drunk the day my mom got out of prison. And I went to pick her up in the rain. But before.
0: Hello and welcome back to and Jacks. I'm Tom Howes, Matt Byrne on the board, doing a little uh and Jennings and uh, the late, great Steve Goodman. Yeah, just a little bit this morning. Uh, S&P futures down four and a quarter. Nasdaq futures down twenty-eight. Uh, let me get the Dow futures here. The uh, you need to turn my mic into my ear, Matt. Somehow I'm not getting back here. I'll Dow futures right up way. twenty-one. The uh, we have Mr. Kevin.
3: Here I am. How are you, That buddy. was David Allen Coe, not Waylon Jennings.
0: Oh, all right. Well, what's the difference? Like Chad said, one of those guys.
3: <laughs> one of those guys, yeah. Somewhere in there.
0: Somewhere in there. Some of those Nashville dudes. You know, all those guys. Well, <laughs> oh, those are
3: those actually Texans in that case?
0: What's well, the difference, you know, they say. You know, I guess there's a big difference. But uh, anyway, so you're one of those guys that likes both kinds of music, country and western?
3: Country and western, yes.
0: Yes, yes. <laughs> one of the great lines from... Uh, uh, was it, the Blues, Blues, Brothers, Brothers, Blues yeah. Brothers? Yeah, Blues Brothers. Yep. Did you uh, happen to check? Uh, um, they had a TV special a while ago, a long while ago, where they went through all the all the places that they were, were the Blues Brothers in the movie. Like, like none of them are there anymore. Like Maxwell Street's gone, obviously, and uh, uh, whatever that one temple they went to is gone, and. Well, Joliet's not there. He's not a, not a jail anymore. I mean, so you know. All of
3: Joliet's gone.
0: Yeah, well... The whole, the whole town. Um, actually, there's parts of Joliet that are doing very, very well. Uh, Audrey sold some stuff out there in some really nice neighborhoods. And uh, the, the prison still
1: stands, though.
0: Well, it stands as an empty prison. Oh, yeah. I don't know what... I don't, I'm not exactly sure why you... close it, it, a pr- it,
3: it, it hasn't gone condo yet, huh?
0: No, I'm not exactly <laughs> sure why you... Uh, clearly, you have a, a piece of property that has been developed for... A use, and the buildings, of course, can get old and things. And uh, but I don't know why you would ever shut down the property and get another whole new property for the same thing. And what am I missing?
3: I don't know why either. Because if you think about it, maybe they felt they needed the capacity and couldn't afford to have a shut down and rebuild time. And uh, you know, uh, you know, who knows? Who knows what the thought process is? Maybe, uh, maybe some donor. Um, You know, had the other had the new property and uh, and wanted it uh, wanted it developed, but my goodness, the infrastructure that you have that you uh, must need for um, uh, for uh, a prison, you know, the power, the uh, you know, everything involved, it's sitting there ripe for somebody to develop in it, isn't it?
0: Well, you would think
3: You know, even if you tear down the building, uh, yeah, you've got a ton of infrastructure sitting there waiting for. Waiting for someone to claim, uh, to, you know, to call dibs on it.
0: Well, you know, you look at the—I uh, don't know. We, we, I know we—we're tired of paying taxes. I guess that's part of the—even for someone who is accused of being a liberal like me. I'm tired of paying taxes. I, I somehow would just like the people that that we pay. You know, I, how do you, how do you put this? You, you look at the different. Look at the state of Illinois fiasco here. Of course, obviously, we're talking about the state of Illinois with Joliet prison and uh. Now, they had, they had a state, state of Illinois building across the street from the current travesty, the Helmut yarn building. And they built the Helmut Yarn building, and then they moved across the street into that thing. Pa- you know, paid up big time for it. This is surely, you our what, 25 years ago? Kevin, 30? Well, the other one stayed vacant for what? Like two decades. They never even, they didn't sell it into anything. They didn't use it for anything. Then they finally sold that place well now we've got a buyer of this place for like next to nothing Google in fact and we gotta get a third place Now, buildings last time I checked last like a really long time you really don't need three state of Illinois buildings in forty years in forty years seems like a long time if you're young but when it comes to buildings and then, and then we had Lou come back from the graduation over at, where was he, Oxford or uh, Cambridge? He was in Cambridge, right? Cambridge, he talks about well, that's the new building. It was built in like 1750, and it's like still the administration building. In Notre Dame, the administration building is 120 years old or something. It's still there. It's still used every day. I mean, obviously, there's been some remodeling or something along the way, or else you'd fall through the floor. Uh, but this idea—how do you how do you run through a building in in, in 20 years, Kevin? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's it's insanity. Anywhere in the rest of the world would tell you. How do, you, how, do you, how does Illinois need three? uh state of illinois buildings in in half of my lifetime my
3: the, the, my other question related to that is how is there not a revolt <laughs> you know, at some point isn't isn't there anybody that can stir the pot enough just to at least you know make people aware i
0: you know i, I think there's a
3: or or is it, or is it that you know we we just don't educate the public anymore uh, about any of this, and that the media just doesn't want to.
0: Well, I think the theys are, are just too powerful, and I think that it's. Uh, well, I mean, in in, in my day at Pullman, because I want to talk to you a lot about the supply chain stuff today. I mean, it's. I've uh, been thinking about it all week, and how well we, we touched on some topics on Wednesday, and uh, basically all it did was bring up more topics to me. So we'll go we'll through that today somewhat, but the. In, in well, say in my day at Pullman, no matter really kind of no matter where you were. I mean, I'm sure there were people that worked more, but uh, you essentially work you worked your fanny off really for 40 hours. No, kind of no matter where you were. There, were. there was no internet to your buddies during the day. There was no personal phone calls. If you got a call, phone call from home, one of the kids got kicked out of school and he was ready to get clobbered or or somebody died. Basically, I mean, am I right? I mean, that was that was the deal. And a lot of people yeah. really felt oh, that... Oh, sure. That,
3: I was on a first-name basis with my son's, uh, uh, you know, the assistant vice president, uh, president, who was always responsible for discipline.
0: Yeah, that's always nice. Um, yes, it is. So now we've expanded into this...
3: Good to know the people who we're, are suspending your kids. <laughs>
0: yeah. When well, now we're into this, uh, you know, you, you never get off work, but you never really work... well, I won't say never, but you don't really work work either. You have no problem having a half-hour conversation with somebody... But God knows what while they're at work or, or texting all day long or, or doing email. So it's, I, I don't know if it's better or worse for people or whatever it is, but, but you don't really have the time. I mean, how, how, does, how does an individual, if you're outraged at the state of Illinois about their buildings, which is just one of a bazillion topics you come up with, what exactly do you do, Kevin? I mean, you can't, I mean, how does an individual fight either Rauner's money or this guy's money? How I mean, what, what, what do you do? You can't, the, the news media has no interest you're not going to see in this day and age uh, uh, the Tribune or God, God help us on times um, you're not going to see them I uh, say to a reporter for the next two weeks I want you to research on you know these three Illinois buildings in the last 50 years and how they've all been redone like eight times and none of them are any good and blah 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 I mean you're not going to see that Pulitzer prize winning article like ever anymore I mean not it's when I mean, people say that the news media is no good, but then again, people who say that would never pay a dime for any news. So okay, I want reporters out there busting their ass to give me the best articles. Were you willing to buy the paper? Well, why would I ever do that? I got the internet. You know that type of, So I mean, it, it, it's like this. There's a million reasons all around the same head of a pin that everybody's trying to dance on. I mean, we're, we're not going to pay for any any news yet we should get news. You know, we don't get news, we bitch. I mean, I, it, am I wrong? I mean, it seems like it's. The, the the blame for lack of a better term is all over the place, but nobody wants to look in the mirror. But I, mean, I don't know what it is. I mean, I, I don't see uh, the last. Well, I don't watch, I don't listen to Washington Post that much anymore. But um, since, it keeps, since you since you got to pay for it, <laughs> just like everybody else. Uh, the uh, you know, I mean, I the last really serious article that I read from those guys, and I forget the name of it. Was the guy who talked about the, the horseshoe of despair? Remember that article? restarted started oh. in. in uh, West Virginia, started going from county to county, getting, you know, words on checks that people were getting from the government and how many people were going to school and how many weren't, and blah blah, blah, how many were on disability that really weren't disabled. And he went down through uh, Alabama, Mississippi, and across the river up up into uh, Arkansas and Southern Missouri. And he called it the horseshoe of despair. I mean, how many, you know, how many counties in Alabama had, you know, an egregious percentage of the population had disability. And some of the quotes were were pretty dramatic. You now there's a bunch of women that worked, mostly women, a couple of guys that worked in uh, nursing homes, and uh, they said when they were on disability because they all had bad backs and pulling people out of beds for God knows how many years, which doesn't surprise me. And uh, and, sh- and they said, "Well, how, why are you on disability?" And she says, "Well, there's no other job here." She goes, "I don't I don't know a person ever that I that I've known at work that actually sat in a chair like people do." up north she goes if you gave me a job where I could actually sit there and do stuff I'd, I'd learn the computer I'd show up every day I'd do whatever you want me to do but I, I can't I can't lift people out of beds anymore and it's the only job around here and uh so I mean there's, there's, a, there's a real lot of stuff going all over the place Kevin that somehow we never we don't ever really we don't we're comfortable not being known about it really I mean uh yesterday I got, it was two days ago I got in the New York Post to read that article about the uh a, a fictional Taiwan uh, war over Taiwan between us and China. God, the headlines in there were like we're like sophomore. What, what? I mean, what did Kim Kardashian say yesterday? Who cares? I mean, really, who cares? I mean, I, you know, I, we're, we're, we're we're complaining, but we're part of the problem. All of us, I think. So I don't know how you get out of that loop.
3: Well, I think you're right. I think that's uh, it's absolutely true that. Um, uh, you know we're we're focused on stupid stuff instead of uh, real stuff. Part of that, I'm sure, and, and you know this, I, I'm with Lou on this because Lou talks about this a lot. Um, is we don't do a good job of educating people anymore on all of the basics of government and the basics of economics, etc. So, you know, it it it, it turns that that when you don't know. Really, what they're talking about—it means that news reports are boring, and you're not going to watch them. News reports on those topics. So instead, we, you know, veer over to the stupid stuff that's kind of amusing. Um, and it, you know, it, its it, it very. I mean, you're right. Where do you go first? Where do you start? Well, I don't know, but you know, I've, I've done enough turnaround situations to know that sometimes you just have to start. It doesn't much matter. Pick one and go, (laughs) and and then start working on it from there. Uh,
0: Well, if you're, and
3: and that's that's probably where we are now. Is just you know pick pick
0: something, anything, and just start working it. Well, I I, uh, when you look at some some of the, they're not really just racial issues. I mean, I I would think not because there's a lot of uh, people of, of color on one side of the argument, and maybe some people not of color on the other side, but. When you talk about education, we're not teaching people, Kevin. Our education bill is dramatically higher than it's ever been. When you, you compare what we used to pay tu- for tuition at St. John Fisher on the South Side when you had a bunch of nuns uh, teaching, and you know, and, and the, the lay teachers. I don't think they made all the rice they could eat either, because they w- they all had uh, kids in school, would walk home with their kids for lunch, walk back, but they were. How is it that we managed to, to pick up all this stuff? I mean, I, I can't imagine what a Chicago, Chicago public school teacher made in in 1968 or something. You know, I mean, I, I can't even, I don't know how you even go there. Uh, and, and yet, you're right, people somehow, I don't know if the families were involved, not more involved. I mean, I don't think they helped people at homework. My mom never helped me with mine. Uh, but, I mean, somehow or another, and this is, a lot of this stuff is economic. I mean, you look at the... Uh, in Chicago it happens to be and i don't know why it ends up this way but whoever represents the the Chicago teachers union the school board they're all black now, i don't know i don't know why that is it doesn't mean they're they're not good people doesn't mean they're not bright doesn't mean anything like that but they're all black and and it's always the, the message is always the same no matter how bad the schools are or no matter how bad the families are the combination people are graduating or not graduating or pushed through or whatever with an incredible amount of cost. And if you're one of the people paying who generally seem to be white, but that's not exactly true either because there's a awful lot of rich black people in Chicago too that are paying these humongous taxes, and, and, and I don't care who you are, it has to come into your, your mind, you're getting a lot of money now. And it sure looks like nobody's learning squat, which is unfair because there's a lot of really good schools in Chicago. Uh, but nobody's really learning squat, and the answer is always more of my money. It's never you doing a better job, or something, or another idea. Or I mean, th- There's amazing tension, I'll say, ec- economically. It seems like it's between the races, but it's really it's between the economic groups. And, and their attitudes. I don't care if I triple the amount of money. The same thing is going to happen five years from now. Somebody's going to graduate high school and not be able to talk, spell, read, or write. Or add. I mean, it, 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 in both sides have a point <laughs> I, mean, they, I mean they really do but they, they never seem to be able to talk and sit down and say okay what do we really need more money for that will really help I mean, is, it, is it a family issue is it a teacher issue what is, we never seem to, to get anywhere and it, it, it's frustrating obviously you feel the same way
3: well I, I do and one of the you know the, the, the things that we don't do is what, you know, what's in curriculum um, you know it, 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 one, if you can't do the basics then don't do anything else um, you know, focus on the basics, and and if that's reading, writing, arithmetic, well, then that's what it is. But uh, you know, if, if you feel like, uh, in, you know, you have to have social, you uh, um, you know, you have to have units on uh, uh, identity, you know, uh, um, uh, sexual identity and uh, um, and gender identity and and so on. Uh, look, I, I think what you can do. Is let, let's forget that. Let, that's that's a different argument. But but different kinds of uh, you know what would fall under the category of social justice. You don't have to have whole classes in that. You incorporate that into your writing classes. Then you incorporate that into your math classes. You, you know, it, it, I I think that's you know that's the way you need to do it. Not to. Build a whole curriculum around all of the all of the social issues in the world, and that way, you know, if it, you know, people learn to uh, turn data into information as part of the math curriculum, and it may have to do about poverty or it may have about homelessness or it may be statistical analyses of you know, and I'm talking high school in this case of um, uh, of different kinds of uh, um, uh, you know uh, hunger issues and so on. If you you know if you want to get people into um, a, a, a career, a C, it's called CTE, career and technical education, uh, and so you want to teach them something about logistics, then you start thinking about okay, how you know what are the logistics that you can develop around people who don't have enough to eat, um, and how you know how do you build uh, s- uh, systems around that? You don't have to you know you don't have to eliminate the math. The writing, all of those important skills that people need to be employable and to be successful, just to uh, just to work on social issues, be just incorporated into everything else. And why they don't do that, I don't know.
0: Well, the schools have somehow, and it's not. It probably shouldn't have been done. We always we always talk about how there should be a separation. Some maybe some between professional football team at Notre Dame and the, and the campus, same thing in Michigan same thing in Michigan State well, I, uh, you know, I think we've tried to do we society has tried to to sort of fix all the other stuff in society using the schools, which in some ways is not a bad idea when obviously if it comes to people not getting enough to eat at home, you're capable of, of serving up a couple of squares at the school and you can mitigate that problem, I get it, but I really don't think, Kevin, that if some thirteen-year-old is wandering around at night, holding a gun for somebody and getting paid to do carjackings. You really going to expect them to sit down in fourth grade and learn how to do, how to uh, diagram a sentence or, or to learn civics. I mean, I, I don't. I mean, you're you're way far afield if you think that's what's going to happen. I and mean, I think that's kind of what's happening in some of these areas. I mean, I, I didn't like sitting there <laughs> decline, diagramming sentences in the first place. I hated it, but somehow I had to get through it or else. My parents would be all pissed off I didn't. I mean, right? I mean, it's. I, mean, you, I didn't like it, <laughs> but, uh, but I didn't have a, another job uh, carjacking cars at night. I mean, uh, right? <laughs> oh you know, well,
3: yeah, but if you're, you know, <laughs> look, even even if you see yourself going down a path of crime, those same skills are very valuable
0: well, that's to the truth. learn. <laughs> <laughs> that is the truth. Uh, but, I mean, you know what I'm saying is we, we've, we've tried to put the schools in the middle of the social mess, and to a certain extent, that was probably a pretty good idea. But once you get past a certain level, you're just screwing both up. I think.
3: Yeah, and what I'm saying is, it, it's it's really you. you I, I don't think you know. I, look, I, I don't really want the schools to have a political agenda. But if you if you want to do seriously, uh, you know, serious analytics and and teach people to think critically, and you want to do that with some of the social ills that we have. Uh, in this country cool you know you can actually uh, you can actually do some good but you also have to have it be honest critical thinking not here i'm going to tell you how to think critically here's what you should think
0: well i uh after the break i want to set this up a little bit because i'm kind of leading into it is i i almost feel like i'm with you every Sunday this Sunday i got to go somewhere else to go unfortunately but more fortunately it's a baptismal party I uh, won't be at my brother's. Actually, won't be able to see the new baby uh, for another week. But uh, I hear she's fine, a little chubby, but fine, which <laughs> uh, which is cool. And uh, anyway, um, talking to my nephew, because I, I, now I go back to my Pullman days, and it's funny, when we were going to build a railroad car, you know, of course, you'd get the design, and the guys would put the drawings together and so forth, and people would come up with a bill, bill of material, and they'd say, you need this, 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 and this. I just wonder how many, if, if I had to do that tomorrow, how many of the people who were in the supply chain, whatever they didn't even call it that in those days, how many of the how many of the people who made the material are still around? I mean, could you, do you even have the phone numbers? I mean, I, I'm assuming you can still buy the trucks because they make freight cars and they made some passenger cars, trucks being the wheel and axle assembly on the bottom of the thing. I'm sure there's probably some people that uh, make seats. Now, whether they can do... Uh, a sixty or eighty or a hundred car order in two years. I don't know if they've got enough people to do that. The lighting people are probably still around. The air conditioning people probably the, they can do. I mean, but there's probably some specific stuff to railroads. Maybe to switches. Maybe something you're going to find somewhere that maybe maybe the couplers somebody doesn't have. Or whatever. I mean, I'm sitting there wondering how many those those companies that did that stuff. They were sort of big enough. to have their own training system to where. If you uh, you know some kid would have gone to Tilden Tech or wherever, uh, maybe did some welding in college or high school, and all of a sudden you hired him and he's you know he's sweeping a floor, bill, oh, by the way he's doing a little welding and stuff you know that's not all that important and he learns as he goes, but there's kind of this uh, there, there there was always a uh, somewhat of a training you know some of it was half-assed. I mean you got to, you got to a guy and you t- you learn from him or whatever, but. Essentially, you were big enough to bring people along. And yet when I talk to my nephew on Sunday, usually after dinner, and he's in this business where they're they starting to make essentially parts or, or stuff for other people that all of a sudden got this contract for the first time in forever, and maybe they were just fixing parts, and all of a sudden the guy says, well, you know, I'm not, not ordering this in China anymore. Can you make me 50 of them? Well, now all of a sudden, they're, there's they're, everybody seems to be sort of at the size where they don't really have... I mean, a couple of the places they deal with. Kevin, there's there's four or five people there. If you bring them one or two pieces of metal or parts or something, the guys are very good. That are like blacksmith. They could do part of it on a lathe. They could do it by hand, or have, they have one of these machines that can, if you program it right, it'll make just about anything. I mean, but it's it takes you know four hours for one part. I mean, you're not gonna you're not gonna have an assembly line with one of those machines. You're gonna end up. I mean, it seems like everybody's kind of at this level where they can't really ramp up, and where somebody says, I don't need just, like, one conveyor system, I need, like, ten. Well, my, my nephew's place, they don't they, have all the grabber if he told them that. I mean, they're just they're just not set up for that. I mean, maybe they were 30 years ago. I, it seems like there's literally hundreds of these places around, none of which is really at the level where they can ramp up any time quickly. Now, now, I know you're going to say there's there's people that are, or graduate from your place or could go there, and we and obviously there is a career path, it's not like you can't do it. But the timing to me seems, seems like no matter how good you do it, you're you're a year away or 18 months away or something away. I mean, and uh, that, that's kind of a long way. Am I wrong here?
3: Well, you, uh, yeah, there's uh, there is that part of it, although you know, you can you can acquire. Skills you can acquire micro credentials along the way if, while you're educating, and you you know, and and those that demonstrate that you uh, you are very able to do certain jobs. But uh, aside from that, look, I, you, a lot of the small and medium sized businesses have lacked for good strategy. You know, look, it's it's one it's one thing to be able to run your company well. I mean, and and that's you know, day-in, day-out operations.
0: Hey, how about, start, how about starting, a, starting this after break, Kevin?
3: That's a skill.
0: Kevin, okay, how about starting this one right. up after break? We got a dash. Okay. Let's be down one. Let's be down 14. Be right back. Stocks and Jacks.
2: Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market, along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at
4: Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, owner of Home Source Realty and frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks Radio Show. If you're thinking about purchasing real estate, this summer could be a good time to shop around. Whether you're a novice or seasoned investor, low interest rates and good inventory, make adding bricks and mortar investment to your portfolio an interesting possibility. Many a great fortune has begun with the purchase of property. Call me today for your personal investment consultation, and I would be happy to get you started on your path to prosperity. You could reach me at Audrey Johnson at realtor.com or call me at 708 349 3456. That's 708 349 3456.
2: 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call 708-403-2727 That's 708-403-2727 Let's get you pain-free and living again You'll get your chance,
4: smart guy Stocks,
0: jocks stocks, and jocks,
4: stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right, now. right
0: here, right now, right right now, Go get your chance, smart guy. Well, we got our chance to devour the labor numbers in about one hour. At um, the July jobs report, we've had some uh, rumors, rumors, whispers in the wind, murmurs in the mist. There have been some layoffs. I don't know that the layoffs uh, occurred. I mean, Carl will tell us, but I think the the key week in this thing is the second week in the month. I don't know if that happened early enough for that, so we'll see what these numbers come with. SP futures down 1. NASA futures down 14. Dow futures up 20. Um, There's really not much in the Dow going on at all here. We've got uh, Merck is up 37 cents. That's not much. No no movers of any kind. Kevin's buddy Elon Musk came out this morning. Is, is there any way, do, do we have to smack this guy upside the head? I mean, now he's, he's hinting they might buy stock back in his place. First, he teased that they were going to take the place over, and then he didn't. Now he teased he was going to take over uh, t- um, it, Twitter, and they don't. now he doesn't want to. Now he's, now he's I mean, does, does the guy not, not get it that people trade on this information and you're not supposed to do that? Evidently, if you're big enough, you just, he, you just keep shoving it right in the SEC's face. And uh, you know what, maybe he should, because maybe they'll someday get a conscience about going after small people, but that's that's neither here nor there. we in Asia, we got the Nikkei up two, 243.9%, Shanghai up 37, 1.2%, Hang Seng up 27, we've got Taiwan shocks, uh, stocks shake off China's military drills to ride, rise 2%, Asia shares trade higher, trade, trade higher. You, know, you, can't, you can't really explain what goes on over there, uh, DAX down 5, call that flat, let down 10, call that flat. Uh, CAC down 32, that's 0.5%, so the CAC actually is down the rest of the let's, let's say they're flat. Yesterday, the Dow was down 85, S&P down 3, NASDAQ up 52. Slow day before the numbers, as you would normally expect. Now, at this number today, we got the CPI Wednesday. I'm going to say now, CPI number might be bigger than this one, but doesn't really matter. They're both pretty good size. Uh, 10-year, up one basis point, 2.69. Uh, Bund up three basis points, 0.84. Japan on change at 0.16. Uh, oil, down 28 cents, 88.26, wow. Brent down 13 cents, 99, 93.99. Natural gas down 14 cents, under 8 bucks, 7.97. Our Bob uh, holding steady here at 280, but it was down real heavy during the day yesterday. So, that's, that's, so we should be paying 370 tops, 375, and I bet we're still pushing 5 around here. Uh, gold, down 5 bucks, but still over 1,800, a big day yesterday, 1,801. Silver down 12 cents, 1999. Still cannot really get two days in a row though, I don't know these guys. Uh, copper up two cents, three fifty. We've got uh, Bitcoin up 801 to 23,313. And we got the US dollar versus the Euro. The Euro's down 12 to 102, so it's hanging above a buck. The euro is, but not by much. What do you have for Stravic Weather Sports?
1: Hey, good morning. Currently 6:30. Uh, Cubs suck. Cubs not doing too well, not doing too well at all. Uh, currently 6:36 a.m. on Friday, August 5th, 2022. Let's get that real quick. Uh, Cubs lose lose both games in a doubleheader against Cardinals. 3 to 4 for, uh, game 1, 2 to 7 game 2. Uh, not a, not 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 a good sight. Uh, White Sox against Texas Rangers. Rangers win 3 to 2. Uh, today Cubs back again against uh, Miami uh, that's at 7:20, not at at 1:20 p.m. 7:05 uh, p.m. Catch White Sox again with Texas Rangers and 8:40 p.m. Diamondbacks versus Colorado Rockies. And the NFL preseason started yesterday. Jaguars versus Raiders. First two quarters, Raiders led 20 to, 20 to 0. Uh, end up scoring seven more points. The Jacksonville's 11. Raiders win 27 to 11. Next week, Giants at Patriots and Titans at Ravens. Now for weather in Chicago. Uh, currently in Chicago, mostly cloudy, 69 degrees. A high of 85 and a low of 69. In Phoenix, clear skies, 80 degrees, a high of 104, and a low of 80 degrees. Now for traffic in Chicago, light traffic eastbound on the Eisenhower between Wolf Road to 1st Avenue, and heavy traffic westbound on the Dan Ryan between 47th Street to the Janeburn Interchange downtown. That's all we got,
3: Chief. Back to you.
0: Uh, Do you happen to have the misfortune like I did of watching the uh, second Cub game last night, Kevin?
3: Um, no, not really. I didn't pay much attention to
0: it. Well, they, they had the, uh, the new GM, who looks like he's about 30 years old. Doesn't make him bad. Ken uh, Hoyer? No. Who's the guy under him? Oh, no, I, I don't know. I don't know his name. I, I didn't know his name either. He's sitting there, He was there for like two and a half innings. Well, of course, they fed him total softball questions. And, you know, he's talking about this guy. has got the big arm and this and that. We got this. And and he's just been hired this year. <laughs> you got to love the ego in these guys. He, he, at one point, he goes, well, you know, clearly last year it was – pretty obvious that, you know, maybe things that really didn't know the direction, and now this year there's no question we're on the right direction and everybody can see it and everybody's happy. And I'm going, really? <laughs> I mean, t- spoken from a guy getting a paycheck versus paying these guys w- for tickets. Or already, I mean, paying them is one thing, but having already paid them and seeing what they're seeing. I mean, he said, yeah, well this guy, you know, Scott, F for us, we kind of liked him, but oh, by the way, we had that's why we were able to get something from him. So they put some guy in yesterday and he all these guys are just are just retreads. Some other they're just castoffs. There's not anybody here who's looks like they're they're anywhere halfway decent. The draft picks maybe, but he, he's going. Yeah, you know, this guy's got this. Oh, they put they put this lefty, and they just got him yesterday. He comes in, he gets hammered. In the seventh inning, the game was actually close. All of a sudden, it's like seven to two or something. You know, they think these guys can play. I mean, I, I don't know.
3: I don't, I don't know. think they have any any illusions that uh, that these guys can play. Um. Actually, when when they got rained out the other day, they had the uh, Iowa Cubs on, uh, and, and I watched a couple innings of that. And they were going on about you know the the, uh, um, the pitching pipeline in the minors, and it was it was actually kind of interesting and encouraging to hear. Um, I think maybe one of them is at Iowa now. One of the uh, one of the really good prospects, but everybody else is uh, is in the queue, and. Uh, you know, in, in their case, uh, uh, you know, they were going on about, you know, being very, very excited to see some of these guys make it to Iowa. So, you know, I, I don't know. You know, if, 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 the, if the rebuild is successful, good. Um, but it better be. You
0: know? Well, I mean, I don't see how you... The, 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 the plan, some of it in some of the other sports, and it's unfair, but I'm going to do it anyway, it's unfair to... To cross sports lines because every one of them has a different thing with salary caps and all so that kind of crap. But it sure seems like the that the Bulls set set the the model for the new Chicago sports. Now, I mean, I'm not going to blame the sacks for this as much, but the Bulls won what six uh, six, out of eight. six out of eight, and they the it was the hardest ticket to get, like in maybe almost in the world except for maybe Toronto, and the, the, they ran the prices to the moon got all these corporate people involved, built a new state, new stadium. And uh, I don't know, some corporations still don't really dump their seats because they used to have them or their their clients get used to going to a game or two a year or whatever it is. They get on this huge level and all of a sudden they they get rid of all these people or don't don't pay the new guys. I think they make buku bucks in the next few years. I don't don't have any – the Cubs actually are paying a bunch of people that aren't playing, so I don't know. Their payroll is actually still pretty high this year, but uh, with Haywood, some of those guys on there. But every team probably has that. I'm going to say they are going to make more like next year than, than any every year any year they ever have because they get because they're paying nobody.
3: <laughs> yeah, because their, their payroll is going to drop, and uh, and they're you know they're they're going to be um, you know they they may very well be profitable. Like, I, I think the model, and I think where the Cubs kind of veered off the rails is they were. Good. They were good for several years. You know, at, at least good enough to be a threat uh, to to go deep in the playoffs, uh, maybe to make the World Series again. and And they kept trying. They kept trading away their, you know, uh, uh, prospects in order to keep, you know, to get that one relief pitcher that they would need. They, to get, the, and and it wasn't just Chapman. It was you know they were trading for a relief pitcher every year. Um, you know, Uh, to get that one extra starter like Quintana. Uh, So as they went through, uh, you know, that process, their long-term prospects diminished uh, in favor of the short term. Well, you know, there's something to be said for going for it, especially for the first championship because it had been over 100 years. But they had enough good players to have a, you know, to theoretically at least have a sustainable Uh, long run where they would be good year after year after year and all they'd have to do is then just keep bringing guys along you know keep drafting well instead they completely gutted the minor leagues and now we're seeing the result of that Uh, if if they're smart this time around they will hang on to them you can't you know you can't overly panic yeah i I get that you want to go for the championship when you have a chance but if you if you do it too much, you know, think of some of the teams that have been really really good for a long time now. Um, they may fall off and have a bad year, but, they're, they're, but they're, there's a, a handful of teams that are generally good. Now, in one case, you're talking about the Dodgers and the Dodgers just outspend everybody. They've got you know they're they're totally willing to uh, to have an incredibly huge payroll. But uh, you know other teams, I you know Houston's been very good. I don't think Houston is is outspending everybody by a lot. Um, and uh, and the Red Sox have generally been pretty good since the, you know their days of Theo Epstein. I you know I, they they have a, a pretty hef- hefty budget, but it's not out of control. They they haven't given up all of their prospects, um, and so they keep bringing bringing up guys that are pretty good. Atlanta's doing the same thing. Uh, so there there are a handful of teams that you know have built something that's that's genuinely sustainable, and uh, I think that's. You know that's what I'm hoping the Cubs do
0: this time around. Well, dollar for dollar uh, on money spent, I really have to believe that the most successful franchise in Major League Baseball history has been the Cardinals.
3: Small. Yeah, you m- may be right. You may very well be right. Although they, it, it, uh, it, that, that's probably true, and it's, but it's not like they—they're not like Oakland, who, who just doesn't
0: spend anything. No, but but um, they—they're—they're they're the city's smaller than Oakland by far. I mean, they're, they're you know they're they're. Their fan base is way better than Oakland's, but I'm saying, that they, talk about it—they're not even a medium market team anymore. What is St. Louis? Two hundred fifty thousand people?
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure, but yeah, it's not—it's not that large. Um, they, and you're—and you're right, but then again, you know, they're also uh, you know paying a pretty good buck for a Paul Goldschmidt, for uh, Nolan Arenado, for you know, I mean, they—they—they they, they have great players. They've you know kept Yadier Molina forever uh, for his entire career, um, you know, so they haven't been afraid to make the decision to let like an Albert Pujols leave um, wh- uh, when the time was right but it, you know they they haven't withheld and I think the cubs would be in that position too where if they just kept them it would it would be manageable it may it may be expensive at times but it would be manageable the other thing is that you have to have a place where people want to be
0: i think they uh, just want and, that and year i
3: think they're capable of doing that as well uh, but uh, you know, p- you know, people go to St. Louis and play, and they like playing in St. Louis, and they like that because they do have a great, you know, a very, very loyal fan base that that turns out, and uh, and and t- tends to tends to treasure their players maybe more so than they deserve. But um, it, you know, it, it it there's there's so much. I mean, look at everything else, everything that you do in. Normal, uh, you know, in, in, in any other business, in a non-sports business. Everything that you have to do to be a, a, a successful sports franchise, franchise is the same thing that you have to do to have a successful business of any size. You don't have to be the Yankees to be a successful Major League Baseball team, and you don't have to be an incredibly huge corporation to have a successful manufacturing operation or, uh, or, or a warehousing business or anything like that. long-term strategy, and you stick to it, and you work it, and you evolve as the, as the environment evolves. And that takes us back to what I was saying before we took the break. You get a lot of these uh, small manufacturing companies that uh, that, that they, they have, they're very good at operations. You know, it's like they, they, the guy who runs the company is a great COO, CEO is responsible for strategy and that's where they break down. They aren't looking down the road and saying, what do we need to be successful? Well, but are so not about hiring the talent to do certain things. You have to, you know, they, they should have been investing in automation all along and they haven't.
0: Well, I think, I've been to a few of these places. One, one, one was up in uh, Green Lake of all places. Actually, it was a little town around Green Lake and the guy we were staying at his uh, place on the lake and he took me over to his machine shop and. God, Kevin, places you could eat off the floor. I mean, it was, the guy did s- serious specialty parts. Uh, they did some some uh, production runs. They had, they, were, they were capable of doing some production runs. I think they were making uh, gas tanks for uh, Harleys or something like that. Um, you know, it was a, it was a, it was a very high-spec kind of thing. So they had a couple of machine areas where they were capable of bringing out more you know, a, a, you know, they could do ten a day or something rather than you know one a week. Uh, but by, by and large, I said, you know, how are you guys doing? He said, well, we used to make machines for people. We used to do this. He said, but now everybody buys all that stuff, mostly from Korea, but some from China. And he goes, the stuff's really pretty good, but but things break. And uh, and when they do, we said we're doing just as well now. We've set the place up to be able to really handle any parts any kind of anything that people can do we can make them here but they had all these machines that were designed for you know kind of one-off stuff i mean you've seen some of these things you went to the machinery show you program all this stuff in and they've got they got a slitter they got a puncher they got all kinds of things in 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 there and, and all of a sudden you see this all this stuff happening and it's beside this glass door and all of a sudden you got a part right but it takes you know a while and uh that you would never Decide you were going to do 300 parts using that machine. First, you'd burn the thing up, and secondly, it would take you. You do two a day, right, or one a day maybe. So, every, the places I've been to, and this is a real small small sample, are kind of designed to do that. We're, we're never going to get the, the the give me you know 15 of these big press machines that we'll make here for you. I mean, it's not you. You don't get that anymore. So, my question is now: these guys, all of a sudden, people are coming to them saying. Well you know we're not buying this China guy. We're not we can't go there. There's a tariff, there's this we need you to make like 300 of these things. Well it's a it's a totally different manufacturing capability than making one or two or three parts efficiently, expensively, but in in a timely manner and all of a sudden say we need a 100 of them. It just in a lot of places it's it's almost like a different business. Really. And uh so I'm, and plus you don't have the people for it. If you go and buy five new machines, you don't even have. Them. I'm saying that, I think this ratcheting up here. When you say supply chain, you're down to the nitty gritty. I think there's some real reasons for it, Kevin, and it's going to take a while. I question: how, how do we? How do you? How do you? Instead of the process being two years, how do you make it eighteen months? I mean, you're not going to make it one month, but but how do you? I and mean, how do we address uh, somebody saying, "Well, I need this part, which we can do." No, I'm not. I've lost my guy in China. I need like hundred parts a week. There's I, somebody's. Just look at the size of the buildings. They're never. They're not set up to do that. The big buildings you see are all abandoned. Here they are, anyway. Mm-hmm. I know I asked about a million questions there, but I, mean, well, I
3: it is. And again, yeah, it it really gets back to you know being a a really good strategist. Can you look? Can you look forward and see how things are unfolding? and at least be prepared for the scenarios. It does, like you don't necessarily have to go bet the company uh, on, on your observation and being right about it. Uh, but what you, what you have to do is to say, I can run scenarios here. I can see how this might unfold. How will I be ready? I mean, it's, it's the same planning exercise that you do when you're doing risk assessments, and you're going through and saying what could go wrong, and how will I respond to that? And how, you know, how much how much has to be ready and waiting versus how much has to be, um, uh, uh, you know, how how much can can just be ready to say, okay, I've thought of this, I've planned for it, I can execute, I can make this happen in relatively short order. But uh, you know, in, but there there are other things that say, what could knock me out of business here, and and understanding that and and addressing it actively is you know that's the ceo's job that's the senior senior management's job and if they aren't doing that um and and as a result they're seeing their business go downhill it, it, you know sometimes you know some look sometimes uh, uh changes in markets and changes in technology knock people out of business they are destructive but other times it 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 happens because nobody has given it a second thought about what would happen if, and you can fill in the blanks on the if.
0: Well, I think the the part we're we're missing here a little bit. You and I are swinging and missing the ball, uh, and we're each pitching each other here. But a lot of these companies, I don't know if you you're, you're dealing the people you're dealing with actually have a management team. <laughs> the People I'm talking about were guys that had a bigger place. Have just hunkered down into this. We got two or three older guys that can make anything on a lathe and a punch press, and and people walk in and ask us to do this stuff. And by the way, we do just we do enough where they're happy, they're making or whatever enough an hour, and I'm keeping the place going, and we're making some dough, and and all this. And by the way, you know those two guys, used, both came from East Germany, and they're 70 years old. I mean, the, the places I see, that's essentially where we're at. I mean, they're, they've been 25 years since they've been significant manufacturers, and now My nephew says. People have stopped calling. They're walking in, asking us to do this, if we can do this stuff for them. And we're like, we got like eight guys, you know, and uh, and, and, and two or three of them are, are one step from retirement, maybe one step from the grave. I mean, I'm saying you know, there's a lot of places. You look at the Chicago, I mean, next time you're here, well, we don't want to go in those neighborhoods, we'll have a good shot. But the amount of destitute big buildings around here, it, it's, it looks like somebody bombed the place. And you'll see the the little firm still hanging in there with four or five people. That, that's that's what this area is about. I think your area is doing a lot better than that, but this area, I mean, asking those places to ramp up. It's like what? <laughs> it's like waking them up, you know, type of thing.
3: Well, and look, if you if that's the way they wanted to run the business, uh, you know, status quo, then that's their prerogative. But then don't be don't be shocked when you yeah. can't handle a, a change in in the uh, environment.
0: Well, I mean, it's it's a uh, when Mayor Daly asked me one day at the club or nobody else around he was BSing about railroad cars and he says well how come uh, I can't just get the railroad cars here in Chicago and I said well Mayor because of you and people like you he goes well, what do you mean I said well you don't make an order for 20 years and then you want you, you want 200 cars in 2 years how the hell does anybody do that he goes well what do you mean I said well first of all you know how many railroad cars you have CTA cars you know how long they last so said, say you've got 1,000 cars and, you know, and, and they're, they're going to last 30 years before you want to you know, bleep can them. Okay, that means that after 15 years you want to complete overhaul and after 5 years you want to do a minor overhaul. Well, yeah, probably that would make, that would make sense. I said, well, okay, what's 30 years goes into 1,000, that's how many cars you need a year. So what is that, 30, 35, something like that? That's, that's let's say, two a month. You should have two delivered every month, maybe four, if, 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 the, if the fleet has gotten older. In the same place, at the end of five years, you bring it in for a minor overhaul. At the end of 15 years, the total overhaul, you take out the switches, the air conditioners, all that stuff, electric motors. I said, your stainless steel skin is going to last you 30 years at least. I said, that's the way to do it. It's 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 You don't, you don't wait for the, uh, you got, you know, how many thousand Footings on your L on your else on your uh, L superstructure. You don't wait till they all fall apart and shut it down for two years. You do you do five a day, and it, when you get to the end of the system, a hundred years. from Now you go back and start over again. It that's that's the way you're supposed to do this. He looked at me like I had four heads. I go just what what I mean? What are you doing? I mean, it, what, were they all of a well, sudden? Well, and
3: you know, it, uh, the big part of the in in the case of the city, it's probably because they're strictly on cash accounting, and so the. The budget is what do I what did I what am I spending this year? Yeah, and if I uh, uh, you know if, if I put off um, if I put off buying the the uh, railroad cars or the uh, CTA cars every year, then I have more money to spend on other crap that nobody
0: needs. I think a lot of it has to do, Kevin, with uh, the interface between where you get the money from, and and, and the one thing that. I'm going to say that the discipline I think that I have, and I think that you have, probably most of the listeners have, is we're always going to do the, we're going to try and do the most cost-efficient thing. We don't always get there. But we're going to try, right? But but if there's if there's all these different pots of money, you probably don't care. I mean, d- does the CTA want to want to uh, buy four cars a month or three cars a month? They come in in married pairs. That's why you want to kind of want to do two two at a time. Uh... The, uh, the do you want to do that, or do you want to wait for the whole thing to be a disaster and get some bill out of uh, UMTA, which is the Urban ma- Mass Transit Association, to give you a billion dollars for the new hunk of cars? It's like if, if I mean uh, if, if Chicago maintains the bridge over Chicago River like it's supposed to be maintained, it's going to last fifteen lifetimes. I mean steel does not degrade unless you let it rust and unless you don't do the ma- you know maintenance on it. But if you let the bridge get to the point where it's condemned, you probably can get the money from the feds or the state. So there's these, these, there's these pots of dough. It's why you let somebody retire when you know you have to hire somebody else. Now you're paying two people because you're not paying the retiree somebody else is. So somehow we have to clean that up, I think, before we're going to get any good decisions. You know, I, mean, I, don't really, I don't fully understand it. But I believe the Mayor Daley understood it. Uh, but I mean, there, there's, there's these pots of cash. Where if it's your or my business, there's only one pot, right? Unless we're unless we're trying to be sleaze bags like uh, who are the guys, uh, the energy company or Bear Stearns. They have the, caps, the piles of cash all over the place. Uh, but no, if you have, they they they're always thinking in terms of no, if I get Kevin retired, that's not my money. So if we hire have to hire Matt for the same job, I'm not paying two people. Somebody is, but I don't care about them. So I think a lot of it has to do with how this stuff is financed.
3: Well, a lot of it has to do with how it's financed or uh to put it a little bit differently to the accounting methods that is important to that company. So if you think about, you know, exactly what you described for how how the city should uh have managed its fleet, um, you know, in in a corporation, especially a publicly traded corporation, they're going to care about the depreciation line. And you know, one of the things that I always did when I worked for publicly traded corporations is I always said, "Hey, look, you know, we, you know, just take, just take something simple like computers. Well, uh, you know, you've got people's, you know, you've got 50 branches um, and each of them has, you know, a full technology set up. And I said, we need to be doing this in thirds. A third every, every year are going to get swapped out and replaced. So we're never going to be obsolete. Um, and, And, but the same thing is that everybody loves it if i did it every five years or if i waited and just let everything run off of the depreciation schedules and didn't replace them until they were completely broken then everybody loves it when that depreciation line goes to zero and the uh, net income looks good but they hate it when the day comes and you have to go spend a lot of money and all of a sudden your depreciation expenses way up so i tried to manage depreciation expense for all kinds of technology buys so that the so that it was flat, unless we grew, in which case it was flat to slightly growing. Um, but that way, as as things fell off, things went back on, and everybody was happy. Now, in in a most small businesses, small manufacturing businesses, and so on, they're not publicly traded. They're usually closely held. They can, first of all, they care most about cash flow, especially if they're not making that much money in the first place. You know, I, the first the first priority is I got to make the next payroll. Oh, absolutely. So. You know, cash flow is everything, and I'm not going to, you know, at certain times of year or certain, uh, you know, certain times of the, uh, of, of the payroll cycle or wherever, I'm not going to spend a dime. Uh, sorry, you know, they'll, they'll even, uh, you know, defer payments, live off a of trade credit as much as they can. All of those kinds of things come into play. But even if they're just, you know, a lot of them have built all of their reward structures around EBITDA. And EBITDA would then allow them to have capital expenditures. So you know, if 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 they're living in that world, then and they have they have plenty of cash, then they you know, and, and then if if those things are true and they're still not investing in what's next, then that's that's just bad management.
0: Well, the government doesn't hurt It'll help you when they come up with they'll say okay if you do something this year you can depreciate it twice as fast and everyone runs out and buys something next year that year and there's nothing for the next year.
3: Well, but that's tax. Yeah. It's, not, it's not the way, you know, income is measured except for tax. But you're right. It, I mean, that, that's a factor, too. Um, and, and, I, and I don't deny that. But, uh, but what I'm saying is, you know, it, it, it ultimately strategy is the CEO's responsibility. Where am I going with this? And then how am I going to get there? Do I have contingency plans? If the market unfolds uh, You know, according to A, then what am I going to do? If the market unfolds according to B, what am I going to do? And and this is where a lot of these small and mid-sized businesses break down.
0: Well, that's the truth. Kevin, take care of yourself. Have a nice weekend. SB Futures up four. SA Futures up four, so we're a little bit positive. we got the numbers coming out in a half hour. Uh, we'll, we'll, get, we'll do all that when we get back with Carl.
2: Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain?
4: Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, owner of Home Source Realty and frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks Radio Show. If you're thinking about purchasing real estate, this summer could be a good time to shop around. Whether you're a novice or seasoned investor, low interest rates and good inventory, make adding bricks and mortar investment to your portfolio an interesting possibility. Many a great fortune has begun with the purchase of property. Call me today for your personal investment consultation, and I would be happy to get you started on your path to prosperity. You can reach me at johnson at realtor.com or call me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Stocks,
0: jocks, and stocks and jocks. You are out of control right here. Right now, right
4: here. Right now, right now. You know guns don't kill
1: people, stupid motherfuckers we're gonna kill people. I thought
0: I heard the captain say Pay me my money down Tomorrow is a Hello and welcome back to and Jackson I'm Tom Howe, on the board SP Futures up five fifty. dollars NASA Futures up 8 We're trying to stay uh, uh, positive here and the, before the, 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 the big uh, labor number. Carl, how are you? How big is this number going to be?
3: Well, you know, it's interesting because uh, as you know, I've been following this this report for a very long time it used to be one of my primary inputs into my decision making processes when I ran the internet company so it was all of that in the 1990s and uh, (laughs) always on the Wednesday before Jobs Friday you got the ADP numbers and I have many times commented that the ADP report is about as useful in many cases as going to a palm reader (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, it is a, is. a prediction, but how can it be wrong? It's got to be correct at least.
3: Well, you gotta, you gotta wonder sometimes, don't you? I mean, because ADP, you know, as any as anybody knows that has ever, uh, you know, looked at the tax side of things. I, you know, I, I do my daughter's taxes. I used to do my mother's for her for a number of years when you know before she passed because. You know she. After my dad died, he was a CPA, so he didn't need any help. But after he died, uh, you know, she had no idea what the blanky blank she was doing. And she was going to get you know whipped off by you know some clown in uh, you know Jackson Hewitt at Walmart or whatever. And, you know, pay pay us you know some pre, some piece of your refund, which is one of the. I mean, you want to talk about a scam? If you're you know, if you're a little old lady or you're a working schlub and you you know, you file easy, you know, it's one piece of paper. Come on, guys. And this really isn't that hard for you to you know just uh, can you do can you do four function math because if you can you don't need any help uh yeah,
0: um, well that's true
3: but you know we 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 looked at this stuff uh all the time and every every time what did i find you know, when sarah started working for various companies you didn't even have to you didn't even have to look at the to the, the you know the actual W-2s that you got, all you had to do was go in, you know, TurboTax or whatever, and punch in the control numbers from the ADP stuff, and it would populate absolutely everything. There was no risk of picking up a number long or anything like that, because it was, it was completely computerized. And that's been true for the last, you know, 15, 20 years. So, yeah, and ADP handles so much of the private payrolls in this country that you would think that their numbers are are very, very solid. And the only people they miss are the sole proprietors, the you know the 1099 dudes, and uh, many of whom get missed by the you know by the surveys anyway, uh, because those don't get reconciled until people file the you know until businesses file the 941s and things like this. But every month it was it was basically a soothsayer kind of level of quality. Well, this month, no no ADP report. So I go look at, and I'm on their email list, so I get it every month. It comes in my email a couple of, you know, half an hour after it normally gets dropped, it shows up in my mailbox. And I went on their website and I went, what, what the, yeah, each is going on here, and uh, gee, guess what it is? They've they've decided they've suspended it for a little while. It's going to be back in a month or two, and it, they're re, they're redoing it because they want to improve the statistical accuracy and the, the, you know, this, and they've got some Stanford or I think it's Stanford some data library that they're you know that they're partnering with in order to improve their product and blah 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 blah. You know, the usual twaddle that comes out from corporations when they do this and i thinking to myself wait a minute I, th- I thought your your report was was just simply a database query of all the people you do payroll for
0: uh that's what i thought it was too
3: well, apparently it's not. Uh, it, you know, I mean, if there, uh, how do how do you improve a database query out of out of data that you own? How do, how do you how do you make that better?
0: Well, I think somewhere along the line, and Dr. Jay and I used to fight about that all the time when he was on the show. Uh, he he said that, the, that their number is supposed to be a predictor of the federal number, and I, my point yeah, was it's not. My point was just tell us what you got, give us the straight scoop, let us interpret it.
3: But you know what, that's not, it's, it's rather obvious that that just is not the reality. Okay, I mean, and, and so we'll see what we get. I, my expectation is looking at some of the higher frequency data I think you're. Well, I believe we're in recession now. Okay, and of course the NDER probably won't call that for another, you know, three or four months or whatever. They they're always behind. That's just the way they work, and it's. I understand why. It's just the way their process is. Um, but there's there is a specific piece of information that I pay a fair bit of attention to, and that is gasoline demand, actual consumption. And the numbers, the the as-burned number, if you will, uh, appears to be back to around where it was in June and July of 2020, which was during the middle of the original round of lockdowns. Okay. That's why prices have fallen. We haven't produced any more oil.
0: I think we have. Rate count keeps Uh, going up.
3: Well, maybe a little bit, but yeah. I'll tell you what: when you take when you take demand destruction at that kind of a scale, uh, basic economics tells you what's going to happen with price,
0: right? Right, but I, 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 I mean, I'm not an expert on this, but I think the last time I checked, there's like 20 or 21 countries. Some of them are pretty small, obviously, that are exporting oil. Right, and uh, I don't think I don't think you you, you, you your your dog would know that if you're exploiting oil, and you're and all of a sudden the price has doubled, you better try and get a little more out of the ground while it's getting as good. I mean, it,
3: oh oh, good lord, yeah. I mean, I mean uh, you know,
0: you shouldn't have shouldn't well, have to take and a and world oil tour. The
3: United States has always been a ridiculously cyclical business.
0: Well, absolutely. You go back, even just the rig counts is a very small piece of it. I've got a page here that goes back to 1973. I have a page, that maybe you don't even have, Carl. But you're, I'm sure you do though. It goes all the way back to 73. The boom and bust since '73 is incredible.
3: Yeah, it's 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 every. I mean, it, the cyclicality of that is is ridiculous, and it has always been there, and it will probably always be there in the United States because it's just it's just very simple. When when you can you know when you all of a sudden see the problem you know the probability that you're going to get paid a hundred dollars for something that costs you thirty to dig out of the ground boy oh boy you're going to dig as many of them out of the ground as you can right yeah uh, when when it's going to cost you sixty dollars to dig it out of the ground and it sells for forty you're going to go bankrupt it's it's simply a question of how long it's going to take but you are eventually going to go bankrupt
0: well but, <laughs> the, but the issue the problem is you've got you, you you always assume that you're the only person watching the movie but there's always another yeah, guy watching, not. and you're not i mean yeah. the how, how's this for one I'm, I'm, i'll try and I'll I'll trump to Carl not on knowledge but on being there first. It happens in a lot of products that have that are very short term inelastic but long term elastic in supply. Is that a good way to put it, accounting wise or economic wise? Nobody knows what the hell I just said.
3: Right, uh, but that, yeah, that's that it's absolutely true. Is that there's uh, you know there is always there's always this sort of cyclic, cyclicality to it. It's the reason that absent. The you know the government trying to play games with it, which of course they always do. That you have a boom and bust cycle. You have a you have a cyclicality uh, in the economy in general. In that people, whenever they you know I've I've always said that the kind of the threshold profit margin, the operating margin is about ten percent. You get too far below that, and one mistake, and you're out of business because you you lose money and you go right. bankrupt you get too far above that and you attract some other schlub who tries to clean your clock and, and i don't care what line of work you're in those you know those margins are kind of you know and they drift from business to business but in general that's that's what drives it is that somebody you know somebody makes twenty twenty five percent operating margin you know gross operating margin some other some other guy sees that and says Oh
0: my God well it's it uh, I explained this once uh I'll go through it real quickly again see we, sometimes you have to look at it from the very simplest spot remember when uh when I, when I was very young, somebody invented the hula hoop, and I don't know if somebody got a patent for it or they did or didn't whether there was a patent or not uh, which which brings me into if we want to talk about whether it should be or shouldn't be whether you issue should have patents on, on drugs or not you know you and I probably could talk about that someday when we have nothing else to talk about but that would be not yeah. today but but if you come up with the hula hoop and the thing is this instant success and right, it costs you a certain amount of money to, to develop it maybe it costs you 50 cents a hula hoop to do to make okay if you, if you start selling them for five bucks when everybody wants the damn thing you're gonna find everybody who could put a machine together to make a hula hoop is going to dive into it because there's a four and a half dollar profit on a 50 cent item which is what you're just yeah. talking about but if i if i sit there and go you know if i'm not so damn greedy well but, but you you could do that and you say i'm going to put it at five bucks And whenever else comes in maybe i'll sell the business and you, you just get out of dodge i mean that is a strategy and, and maybe not a bad one okay but but if you, if you say no i want to make these things like forever or like for a long time you might say you know what i'm going to price these at like two bucks I still do a pretty nice number, and yet I'm really not telling the guy next door to run out today and buy a Hulu machine. You know, there's some money there, but it's not really that much. Plus, I could always go to a dollar and a half to piss him off if I had to, and I could leave him, uh, you know, dry. Uh, So, so if if you if you want to put something in a spot where you're making a little bit more than than risk-free money, but not enough to to entice somebody else into the place, it's like if you had your only hamburger joint in town. You probably could charge 10 bucks instead of 9 but if you decide to charge $20, you are going to encourage some guy to put a place right next door, right?
3: Yeah, well, it's, I mean, it's one of the most egregious things in gasoline that I ever saw. Uh, you know, and everybody talks about the, you know, Illinois, of course, you know, wildly jacked up their state tax rates on gas. Uh, when, during the time, you know, the last time around that, uh, that gasoline was cheap, and And by the way your your awesome governor Pritzker was largely responsible for that. Uh, you just have to look at when it happened. by the and, way, he's cut it, that back it, well he and, and the Illinois legislature did something even worse. They put automatic inflation indexing into the gas ta- the Illinois state gas tax, which most states do not have and that is an extremely unpopular vote in the state legislature to raise those taxes for obvious reasons so By putting automated automated indexing in, now it's been now. Interestingly enough, they also recently suspended in the state of Illinois uh, the the increase that was scheduled to take place the back half of this year. What that means is that next year you're going to get two of them.
0: Well, it also it also gave him the chance to say that he lowered gas taxes when he didn't. He
3: just
0: he just suspended an increase law or well, anything,
3: but, but he didn't. He didn't. They didn't skip the increase. They suspended it. Right. It was. It, it's the most egregious sort of fraud from the standpoint of, of
0: well, you're still lying not gonna,
3: to the public from politicians, which of course they all do. But you're still. <laughs> you're but, still
0: not going to have to pay. I'm, I'm never going to defend the guy, but you're still not going to have to pay the two point four cents for this six months. So. It is so, no, but
3: you're going to have to pay four point eight cents next six right,
0: months. Right, but but you're still not going to come back and get you for the stuff you did in this six months.
3: Well, uh, well, yeah, but it, but but the step there's going to be two steps right. next year. Is that
0: right? I get it, I get it. But I'm saying, right?
3: I, I'm just saying, yeah. all they did was defer the pain, and then you're you know you're going to get it in a shoot next year. Oh yeah. Well, well the, not, the other thing that's interesting is you know Indiana used to be one of the cheapest states for gasoline in the Midwest, if not the cheapest. And, and and for everybody that, that loves to laud red governors, during the cheap gas years when I was in office, they raised their tax levy and all of a sudden they're not cheap anymore.
0: Well, I would like
3: By the were, way, so did Alabama, which would, was another state that used to be very cheap.
0: See so, you know, I should I can't ever say with you or Kevin this stuff's not available because you're gonna tell me that it is available if I just look in the right place. Did anybody ever get a a, a balance of uh, who spends what on what? In other words, we we have a federal gas. One thing you forgot to mention about Illinois, I don't know how many states do this. They actually charge you sales tax on the other tax.
3: Oh, that's nice of them.
0: Yeah. So if the if the state raises the tax two point four percent, it's actually two point six because the ten percent because
3: they they charge sales tax on the tax.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So. But, I mean, does anybody ever, I mean, I would love to read this. I mean, I, don't, that, I mean, obviously the, the federal tax has not gone up in a while. So I'm not saying that I you know, want to pay more. I sure as hell don't. Right. But the fact is, I mean, we got an awful lot of roads, and uh, there, there, there should be, it, it costs a hell of a lot more to fix a, a mile of interstate highway now than it did 20 years ago. So the idea of a tax being the same amount, I, I sort of get. If, if we're going to actually say that that money from those taxes actually go to the roads, then yeah, there needs to be some sort of a the inflation on the taxes has to match up with the inflation on on the fixing, right? I mean just that it's common sense. Uh but I don't have any is there anywhere you could read that here's here's what here's where the federal tax is. By the way, it's in this trust fund, which I don't buy. And then we yeah. only use it for the roads and and if, and if by the way if we're fixing I eighty in Illinois it's it's ninety percent on the federal tax and here's your state pot and uh that the, the state's going to put 20% or 10% into the interstate but oh by st- state highway 7 that's all on the state or 30% on the county and the municipal does anybody ever read a breakdown of this of who's got money where and where it all comes from
3: you know i think i think there's been there's been some attempt to do it uh, i've never dug into it at a, at a sufficient level of detail but one of the things that uh i do know has happened and this has been studied extensively and has been proved is that for those states you know you always have the same thing that goes on with education right that most of most of your school funding comes from local property tax levies at the county level right well when the lotto came in the argument was was that all of this, and they, and they they still advertise this way. I mean, how many states are, you know use the old the, the old teacher's apple is you know as part of their advertising shtick for the lotto draws? Uh, that that was where the money was going to go. Well, it, the law says that's where it goes. Okay, uh, that's true. However, they didn't reduce property tax levies when no. that happened. Oh God, no. Well, no. So I mean, and and the thing is, the same thing happens here. Okay. And it's one of, the, one of the things that makes, in, in the medical area, it gets especially nasty, because for lower-income people, Medicaid is a pure entitlement program. There is no tax base that funds that. Medicare there is. There's the, the levy now. that was When it was designed in the 1960s, uh, it was put into place originally. Medical spend as a percentage of, of GDP was about 3%. Today it's about twenty. So when the original Medicare levy was designed, given a reasonable risk-free rate of return, the system actually was balanced in terms of what it was taking in in taxes, the amount of time that would get accrued during your working years, and then the sixty-five years you know, Medicare and it has to pay. Okay. Well, then you take what used to be a three to four percent of GDP expenditure, and make it twenty. And you don't multiply the tax by five times, and you're going to bankrupt the system. It's, it's absolutely well,
0: beyond I think you're saying it was it was cash balanced. It was never actuarially balanced.
3: Um, it, it was it was actuarially balanced, assuming that the medical system was not going to turn into a mini headed hydra and uh, and swallow the economy.
0: Okay, because I mean, you the Social Security system. To be, to be blunt and not, not to, you know, cast stones at it, was, was designed as a welfare system and a tax, and they never matched.
3: Well, uh, yes, but the Social Security, if, if you, and I've analyzed both of these extensively, because everybody, every politician at the federal level, and frequently at the state as well, always loves to say, that the, the you know that that the payroll taxes don't actually pay for you know for basically you, you're you paying Mister Mister retired persons payments today with the taxes that are collected today there is no accrual in fact because you know we had this fiction of the lockbox and all this nonsense that went on you know years ago and the the, the whole debate with Gore and everything else and and okay that's that's technically true however the the problem that you have within the Social Security system from an actuarial basis, from a cash flow basis, is actually not all that difficult to fix. The problem within the Medicare system cannot be fixed financially because you'd have to, you, you'd have to increase the tax rate on Medicare earnings by about 500%. Okay, that's never going to happen. You could you could lift the salary cap to a significant degree on Social Security. You could put about one percent on the levy on both sides. Uh, so the, you know, so that would and I mean that would bite. You'd you know you'd feel that. Um, well, you you can also just you raise that.
0: You raise the retirement age as people are living longer. You raise that another year.
3: Well, they, they've already done that several times. You don't need to do that again. Um, but if you just if just from a from the pure financial standpoint, uh, the Social Security system uh, it runs at a cash deficit of about fourteen percent right now, and that is that is a closable gap without a huge amount of pain. The Medicare system is currently cash funded at about twenty percent of oh, the yeah, expenditures.
0: It's, it's, it's horrendous. Well, they think they're getting it all back with this negotiated uh, drugs to. Uh, this new bill. Hey, I have a question uh, for you. You
3: know, that's, that is such a crock. And, and uh, people, you know, and then you have the people that, that when they, they want to give Trump credit because he, you know, he stomped on the insulin price situation a little bit, uh, which, of course, for people that are, are either afflicted with type 1 diabetes, where they have no choice, or decided to eat themselves in the size of a refrigerator and refuse to stop and end up with type 2 diabetes that requires insulin, ultimately um you know okay, is that a real factor? well, yes, it's a real factor for them. It's also you know a small percentage of the total problem um uh, but going after the the real problem uh does not rest in the in the drug industry i I wish it did, but when you look at the data and it's it's in the treasury statement, it's right there what they spend on it. The last time I looked, uh, I, I believe the, uh, the Medicare Part D spend was 70 or $80 billion on drugs in total, okay, um, which sounds like a, a hell of a lot of money, but the system as a whole spends over a trillion.
0: The, the drugs that they, I think the drugs that you get if you're in the hospital, they pay for all of them.
3: Well, but but you know, but all of this is, I mean, yeah. And and the thing is, is that everybody everybody tries to stick their fingers in the pie, you know, in the pie with this. And the and the problem with any sort of system that is supposed to is billed as and sold as insurance, and really isn't, is that. Insurance is a regulated business. You have a 10% operating margin on the gen- in the general case in all insurance industries, and it's regulated to prevent you from from doing better. So that you have two extraordinarily perverse incentives that show up instantly when you do this, and the first one is that no insurance company has an incentive to become more efficient. And and be as lean as they can with their processes, and do what they can in order to become more efficient, because they don't get to keep any. Well, of it's Well, like, it's like
0: a utility. You're, yeah, you're yeah, your the, center is the only down.
3: way that you become that you make more money as an insurance company is to either have more events that you have to pay on, or for them to become more expensive.
0: Well, I mean, uh, when, you, when you have when you pay Commonwealth Edison's exorbitant law, uh, you know law bills. And, and and for their smoking hot loyal lobbyists, and that becomes something that you get to add ten percent to the. the it's for I have a quick right. question for you that if you can answer this, I'd, I'd, be, I'd be stunned. But when you if you take your social security, and a lot of people do while they're still working, and okay, and say you make some dough, and and now this some of the social security has to go back in forms of income tax, correct?
3: Right. Well, the, yeah, it the, the, that's what gets a little complex, but yeah, but actually, that's not the worst of the,
0: of no, no, the no, screwing. No, but no my, my my question is, I mean, I'm not saying that it, that is screwing. I mean, let's let's say that's fair, just for for for, for bleeps and grins. Uh, if somebody sends their check to the government, and two thousand of it or five thousand of it is give back because you made too much money and you make Social Security. Does the irs give that five grand back to social security
3: well, of course not it goes in the general fund but you know this is this is part of the thing that you know you've heard all this thing about how the fed cannot raise rates because it's going to bankrupt treasury okay because they got to pay the interest i i wrote an article on this the other day and i and i i i get tired of hearing this it is a flat lie first off every penny of interest Every, every every treasury bill or bond that the Federal Reserve holds costs Treasury nothing, no matter what the coupon is, because all of that interest gets remitted back to Treasury. Right. So if Treasury pays the Federal Reserve 100 billion dollars in interest, and the Fed gives back 100 billion minus the cost of heating the Eccles building, uh, the net impact on the budget of that is zero. All right. The other problem, though, in the one and, and this is where the congress can get really nasty if they want to is that for most of the rest of the treasury debt that's privately held it's held by people and institutions that have extraordinarily high income tax rates
0: uh, and we have to we're gonna have to push this window off. you have to break up you're right because, but then the, the but, but the the treasury owes 31 trillion and the fed only owns eight so it still leaves you uh what's 23 that you're going to have to...
3: Oh, sure, oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, sure. But, but again, the only part that actually leaves the economy is that which is held by foreign entities, and that's about 15% of the
0: total. I'm going to give you a, uh, a Milton Friedman quote when we come back, but we also got to do these job numbers. Let's take a real quick break, Mac, and then we'll come back and do these numbers. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the chief. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to ptisecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's ptisecurities.com.
2: luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks losing his mind stocks jocks, jocks stocks and jocks you are out of control
4: right here
0: right now right here right now right, now. right now. Hello, Bank, and i Mr. Burn on the board uh, the number was 528 labor force participation 62.1, unemployment rate 3.5, we're going a very abbreviated stuff here. SP futures down 29, Nasdaq futures down 125. Uh, obviously, maybe people's thoughts that the Fed is going to uh, turn the other way to pivot, or kind of dash with this report. Matt, why don't you give us uh, real quick, uh, just some weather real quick or something.
1: Yeah, definitely. Right now in Chicago, currently uh, mostly cloudy, 71 degrees, a high of 85, and a low of 69. In Phoenix, clear skies, 80 degrees, a high of 104, and a low of 80. Now for traffic in Chicago, traffic eastbound on the Eisenhower between Sacramento Boulevard and The Loop, uh, traffic eastbound on the Kennedy between East Ohio Street to the Jane Byrne Interchange downtown, traffic westbound on the Kennedy between Lawrence Avenue to Harlem Avenue, traffic westbound on the Dan Ryan between 31st Street to the Jane Byrne, and traffic northbound on Stevenson between Route 171 to South Kedzie. That's all I got, Chief.
0: now what do you think of this number? I'm looking at the household survey. I don't get any confirmation whatsoever from the household survey. Where did this come from?
3: Oh, uh, you know what? That's that's actually not the case. Um, well, uh, I'm looking I've, at
0: I'm looking at my my uh, my report. You got yours. You got your report. I got my report.
3: Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'll tell you what the the this is an interesting report. Anybody that thinks that the Fed isn't going to continue to slam interest rates higher after reading this, uh, looking looking at the household survey, you got rocks in your head. I, if, if you're long the market on the expectation that there's going to be a pivot uh, from the standpoint of, of inflation control, you you are about to get the worst drubbing of your life. Uh, if this if this continues. Um, uh, boy, uh, here comes Volker. <laughs> yeah. I, the guy, the guy's going to rise from the dead here uh, sometime in the next couple of months, and uh, people are going to come to that realization because. So, what I have on the unadjusted numbers in the household survey is plus three eighty nine, which is awfully close to the to the number that was in the uh, in the establishment report, uh, and interestingly enough unlike last month where there was a, a huge drop that came out of the we don't know where everybody is thing uh, this month that was only neg 132 so uh, these these were real jobs uh, on the on the household survey they're not uh, you know they're not people coming off the couch and three-quarters of them can't find work after they do so they try to get a job but they fail This this time they were it was success and the other interesting thing is in in the educational attainment. So this is the month the July report is typically the one uh, where you see the roll forward because schools get out in late May and early June. Okay, so the June the June numbers, which is what this is, uh, captures for the most part. There's so some of it's in June, but it almost always goes up in July the slide forward. So those people who didn't have a high school diploma now they do. Okay. So they move they move down a category on that table. It's table A four. And and that's that is there in you know in this data as you'd expect. Okay. So about um six hundred thousand schlubs, six hundred and fifty thousand, uh went from not having a high school diploma and employed down into now we do. It happens every year totally normal but here's the interesting thing that the participation rate among those high school graduates uh, actually went down and you did not get gains in the people with some college or the people with bachelors in fact in bachelors it it was basically flat okay so again though you had people you know people graduate college in, you know, in the early summer, too, right? So that attainment table gets, gets pushed to the, to the downward direction. And that happened this, this month, which is exactly what you would expect to happen. Remember last month I was talking about the fact that the civilian labor force with bachelor's degrees went down, which was inexplicable because it implied that an awful lot of people were dying. And because you can't subtract educational attainment, it's not possible. But this month we got the expected increase in those numbers as people graduated from different uh, different educational programs. Uh, but I don't see the roll forward here. so uh, this this is an interesting report, but it says that the inflationary pressures, first off, they're going to slam the people with less educational attainment, and it's showing up here in the data. Well your people are
0: you' uh, well, first of all again you're gonna have to explain to me lucy w- what happens between a1 and a4 it's a totally different read and a1 is the number yeah and
3: and see that's this is one of the things that gets interesting is when you try to reconcile these numbers what you find is that there's there's some little problems doing it right
0: well a1 uh is the if you if you go to the bureau of labor statistics the first one that comes at you comes at you george is uh his, his household data historical a1 employment status the civilian non-institutional population 16 years over to date 16 over 1987 to date so this is this is the the, the main bible the first time you pile in there now, i've right. got since may according to this since may we've got two hundred thousand people less working we've got seven seven uh, a hundred thousand in the uh seventy thousand make that no seven hundred thousand into the group that uh we don't know what they're doing, and and the, and the uh, people looking for a job are a little bit less. It this doesn't it, this, if you look at this thing it doesn't give you anywhere near the picture you're painting or what these guys are painting on TV. Well, what, well, what adjustments are they doing?
3: Here, here's here's the thing that's interesting. Just a, that a one table. Take a look at the not seasonally adjusted June to July delta in the non-labor force number. Then look at the seasonally adjusted one.
0: I don't. I don't they're not in there. They, they just give you the the adjusted.
3: No, the not the non-adjusted the non-adjusted number is neg one thirty two delta June to July. The adjusted number goes from 998 to one hundred o fifty one.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm looking at one hundred o fifty one. Right.
3: So with these guys who so so the BLS just basically made up. A bunch of schlubs that they said are not looking for work anymore, even though their their actual survey says otherwise.
0: Well, okay, but we've we've sort of talked about this before, and I, I think you agree with me that the they'll do a survey, all right, and says that uh, Carl's run out of his unemployment numbers, but he's right. still looking. But I think the actual cheat number is the minute you stop getting a check, they say you're not looking anymore.
3: Well, it's uh, the, the minute you st- Yeah, if you're not, that's that's essentially that's the that's the easy way for them to do it,
0: right? Yeah. You're right. We we both know that just because you stop getting your last unemployment check doesn't mean you stop looking for a job. Makes might make you want to look for a job harder, right?
3: <laughs> well, the, you you'd kind of think so, wouldn't yeah.
0: you? Yeah. Right. So my uh, my uh, the the, the uh, average uh, hourly wage is up point five percent. Now I'm one of these guys that I take. The monthly number and multiply it by twelve, which which the world's telling me you're not supposed to do now. Okay, so if your hourly wage is going up six percent a year, and the inflation, let's be nice and say it's nine, like the government's saying. I think it's more like fourteen, but that uh, yeah. says to me that every single hourly worker whose average right. is in a recession every single month, because
3: he's right, and he's been, and they've been losing money for quite a while,
0: for like twenty years.
3: Yeah, it's. It, I mean, you've you've been getting it in the. If you're the average schlub that goes out and, and does his or her thing, you've you've been taken into the backside for quite a while.
0: And it, well, if, and if you count medical stuff, which maybe you don't pay for or think you don't pay for, it's been a minimum. Of, yeah, it's been a minimum of twenty-two years that I've gone back <laughs> yeah. out.
3: Yeah, at least. Yeah, well, and I mean, uh, you know, when I, was, when I was running my company, we had I mean, if you think that stuff doesn't end up in wage offers, you're crazy. I would, we were seeing double-digit increases, and that was back in the 1990s, and it was every year.
0: Well, I have a question for you. My my nephew and I were arguing, of course, we always argue with nephews, right? Almost as bad as kids. Uh, I was saying that, you know, I mentioned to him that that this inflation in, in uh, you know, the uh, health care is... Uh, you know, it's really bad and it comes out of your salary. And he was totally debating that with me. But he did come up with, with one point that I couldn't really argue with. Carl, once in a while you do get stumped even by the nephew. He said, when was the last time you went in and, and looked for a job? And they said, okay, which had been a long time for me. I've been an entrepreneur for God knows how long. But say I went to look for a job. And I, uh, and I said, okay. The guy said, all right, <laughs> let's hope. Oh, you know, geez, chief, we like you. You're worth one hundred and fifty grand a year. By the way, you get this huge, huge benefits package. Um, and I were to say okay well, well thank you very much and by the way I have this lovely bride and she's a, a judge which she's not and by the way I don't have a bride I have Audrey which is almost uh, but, but she's not a judge she doesn't have you know uh, if I were to say no I don't need your your hospitalization they never say okay well then we'll give you 160 Never. so my brother my, 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 nef- my nephew is, is correct on that he says if you, if you don't think it through it's not obvious to you that that's the case
3: because right, and, and the thing is, is that so the law of averages, you know, with buckets, expenses in any business, just like revenue, are at the end of the day, they all go into a bucket, right? Right. I mean, when you read the cash flow statement, um, you, you don't see that. You know, Jane Schluß over here. Uh, by the way, her her health insurance was nine hundred dollars a month and uh, the eighteen year old scrapping uh marathon runner, his is four. Right, uh, and, and yet, by the way, anybody who thinks that they're not rated that way, now, you well, know, of sure course Obamacare has changed a bunch of this. But back when I was running MCS, if they, if they, we had four hundred percent differentials between the least and most expensive people in terms of what it was costing us. And yet if you if you ever got caught discriminating and hiring somebody based upon that Oh boy, were you in a lot of trouble!
0: We at one point at uh, PTI, uh, Carl Beck, when we were when we used to a lot of orders would come in to go down to the trading floor when we were really happy, and we did a lot of futures business as well, which kind of dropped off. We had all kinds of people we used to be interested in trading grains and all kinds of stuff, and we did all that stuff for people. I'm going to say we had eleven, twelve people here. We were paying uh, maybe more, maybe fifteen. We were paying uh, healthcare, and we we couldn't have we couldn't have bleeped ourselves more if we wanted to we had like three women of childbearing age and we had like eight guys that were <laughs> getting up there <laughs> like we 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 had every single person at all the wrong spots we had <laughs> you know whatever the number was we were at the top end
3: yeah well i mean you know it's uh sometimes you you know your mix is what it is right yeah. i mean that's it, that's how reality works but, yeah, I mean, it, even back then it was crazy. One of the things that I, that I, you know, we were talking about the Social Security thing and the tax recapture. Um, one thing you got to be very careful about if you're, if you're in that bracket between 62, you know, where you can take it early, and 65, where Medicare comes in, is that irrespective of whether or not you're, you're going to have to pay income tax, on on the Social Security check. That money that comes to you counts towards Maggie, which directly impacts your Obamacare subsidies. And so it is entirely possible for you to have a negative amount of money that you get from Social Security because you have to give it back in the form of health insurance until you qualify for Medicare at 65.
0: How much does the... uh about five questions to ask you, but how much does the government make? I say make, and the Medicare. If you're if you're in a what's what's the I mean, some of the guys I, I hang with the, to learn stuff from these older judges and stuff one night a week, terrific guys. Some of these guys are in their seventies and even higher. They don't they don't get Medicare. I mean, wh- how much? How many people? I mean, if you if uh, say if, if PTI had three hundred employees, nobody here could be on Medicare, right?
3: You gotta uh, keep pay- no, if you're sixty five, you absolutely are.
0: I think if your company if you're 65 60- Well you
3: can you, you yeah, you can do that, but you, you gotta be you gotta be really, really careful once you get to your sixty fifth birthday. And and I tell you, the the penalty if you screw this up is so severe. My mother my father died of course, when he was still around, you know he managed all this stuff, right? So they they were both on Advantage. He passed, and she wasn't paying attention, and so for about six months, she was not on an Advantage plan, right? But she was over the age of sixty-five.
0: Well, that you can mess up. I'm talking about. I think if if you're working for General Motors and they got you know quarter million people that work there. And you get to sixty five, you you're still under their plan. You don't get to opt out for Medicare.
3: Um, so that gets the, the way that ends up working out is really bizarre because it's kind of a split system in a in a form and fashion, and the accounting for it is weird too. Um, but <laughs> what ended up happening to my mother was that she was she had like a, a six month period. She she was healthy at the time, so she was you know she wasn't using you know medical services of any substance. She got penalized for the rest of her life on what she had to pay when she went back into it. Well, True. And him. it was, and and the, the penalty was ridiculous. Uh, it, was, it was something, if I remember correctly, it was it was something like a twenty or thirty percent increase.
0: I, I know somebody. I just went, just went over with them. I know somebody. I mean, Carl's correct, but I'll give you a, 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 a simple example of how they. They're, they're looking for the moral hazard, of they being right. the government. So in other words, if, if if Carl gets to 65 and he's healthy as a horse, he's going to sign up for Medicare because why would you not? You're going you're gonna to sign up for Medicare Part B because why would you not? I mean, they don't, they'll come out of your Social Security, and you're probably going to get either an Advantage plan or you're going to get a Supplemental plan. I, mean, I would sort of recommend the Supplemental, but they're expensive. But now, if if you decide... I don't. I don't even take no stinking drugs. You know. By the way, why why do I want a drug plan? Well, all of a sudden, Carl makes it to 70, and he gets diagnosed with something, and his drug plan is now his drugs are now 500 a month, and he goes, Hey, what the bleep? I better get some insurance. They're going to say, Well, that's interesting. You waited until you needed it. We're going we're gonna to penalize you for the five years you weren't on the plan, and the plan would be. Fifty bucks a month, but now for the rest of your life, you're going to have to pay sixty. Is really is, is that's really yeah. It's
3: an utterly enormous increase.
0: Well, but they're saying you should have you should have been five years in. You can't, in other words, you can't wait till you get cancer and then decide to buy insurance.
3: Well, this yeah, is, and you know what, and and that I don't have a problem with. But this, you know, this was not that situation. Um, but it's just it, it, all, all I'm pointing out is that when you get to sixty-five. And as you're approaching, you know, as you're approaching that age, if you're not paying attention to all the rules you know, and following them, the odds, you know, the, the very real possibility of you doing something stupid without realizing that you did it, and it being absolutely irrevocable and hammering you for the rest of your life wow. is very high. And so, you, you you really need to watch it. But the but the nine hundred pound gorilla in the room is that if you take Social Security at sixty two. Yeah, okay, from an actuarial standpoint, it doesn't matter from the system's perspective because the pricing and the amount that you get is set up so that the lifetime value, on the actuarial tables anyway, is the same regardless of when you take it. But if you take it at 62, all of that income is going to count towards your Maggie. And so if you are working... And and you do not have decent insurance, and you end up in the Obamacare marketplace. You're going to get pounded in the backside, and you would not believe how bad that can be because you're at the very top of the price curve for health insurance.
0: Well, I know a guy who took it at sixty two, and then all of a sudden died at sixty five. So I figure he's ahead.
3: Well, yeah. uh, Well, if he actually got to keep any of the money, though, which I mean. I've seen scenarios, I've run some where it's actually possible for you to end up with a negative amount of money from doing that.
0: All right, Carl, I want to shift gears for a second here and I I can't I can't basically rag on the population. I mean, the reason why I can't is because, you know, when I when I started in the on the uh exchange floor, it was like nineteen eighty, might have been early nineteen eighty one, somewhere around Christmas that year. And all everybody talked about was uh, the, the the big fiasco in, in nineteen seventy eight when people sold the the two eighty calls in IBM and they had never finished in the money. And literally the the uh, the song was Sell the two eighties and buy a Mercedes where guys would go out six months and they'd sell well Mercedes didn't cost a hundred grand back then, but say thirty. They would uh, they'd sell thirty thousand dollars worth of these calls and when they went out worthless they'd go buy a Mercedes. Literally. But, you know, I was two years after that. And, I, you know, I was young. I was, wasn't that young, but I was 30-something, uh, which was actually old to be starting on the trading floor. And uh, so I never, I never paid attention to that crap. I mean, it wasn't like I was a call seller or anything like that. But, you know, it, it just wasn't in my mindset. You know, I mean, it, even though it was only a couple of years before, and I was kind of a student of history of, of anybody who was a 30-some-year-old would ever be. But now I I am, I am stunned now that I'm, I'm older that and in, in, in it's fresh in my my life because I d- I did all this stuff back in the old inflation days. I am absolutely stunned at the crap I see, Carl. I mean, I, I've seen two big union contracts now just being renegotiated with an average average raise over the next three years of five percent. Now maybe there's as Lou says, there might have been something in there I'm not seeing. There might be ads to this or ads to that, Carl. They're not even keeping pace. I mean, doesn't anybody doesn't anybody get this that this that this is going to be a a thorn, and everybody's behind now for for at least five years. It, it's I think it, I think it actually has already sort of turned. It's turned, but it's turned from a number that nobody recognizes. If you believe my number really was fifteen percent three months ago, it's turned from that, but it hasn't turned from. I can't even explain this to people. It, it's it's not turned from the nine because the nine is never realistic in the first place. It's but if you actually look, if we were actually doing this correctly, I think we would find the number turning. But since we're not. And and we the way we take the numbers in, there's such a lagging indicator. We're nowhere near publishing the worst yet. Even though I think we actually are sort of over
3: the worst, if that makes any sense. But how yeah, do no, I, no, and I, you're absolutely right. I mean, there are certain categories, certain items from like a grocery perspective that it, that I can tell you 40 percent increases over the last you know eight to 12 months.
0: Right, but you can't. And, and I mean,
3: it, I, obviously that's not the whole basket, right?
0: Well, but the whole the whole the one thing I think. The, the, it's easy to drop into the part. Gas is down, corn prices are down cuz Greg gave a really nice report on Monday if you listen regarding I mean how much just as we were talking about with oil, the inelasticity in the short term versus the elasticity in the long term. Actually, when the grain prices got up where they did, if you're a farmer, if you if you got a potted plant on your on your on your deck, you have got a corn plant in it, right? Or a soybean plant. So yes, right. we're gonna have a bumper crop, and the prices are gonna come down because all of a sudden we've we've almost made up the Ukrainian problem, almost right. We're pretty damn close. But yeah. I'm saying is, why don't people understand that all we're doing is screwing our population with this with this inflation? The biggest winner in inflation is the government because right now we have people. By the time this is all over, Carl, we're gonna have people that have jumped two tax brackets and are making no more real money.
3: Exactly. And, well, and the same thing happened during the late 70s.
0: Well, there were way more tax brackets
3: then. Huh? No, no, no but, yeah, but I'm saying, but, but the fact that that happened is that when you, you know, when you get to the end of the day, in purchasing power, they lost ground. Well, without a doubt.
0: I mean, it, the people at Pullman and I did the, the, uh, the uh, what do you want to call it, the inflation adjustments, The, the co- they call it COLA, cost of living adjustment. Boy, nobody yeah. knows that term anymore. Um, if, you, if you started out, I, mean, I say I worked there for probably three years you started out there in 77 and uh, making, whatever you were making, 17 grand on the line, and all of a sudden it's 1980 and you're making 21, you're probably up at least two tax brackets in those days and you're not making a dime more. Yep. And the same thing's happening now. But why, 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 I know the government wants to keep a lid on all this stuff, but why don't why do you see people that are Nobel Prize winners come out and don't even understand what I just said, or, or, or are they lying for it? I mean, they must know this. Well,
3: the, the, Chief, they're lying. They uh, look. If, if you and I can figure this stuff out, and and you know, and talk about it for the last how many years? Yeah. Right, and and you're telling me that uh, you know that the that the scolds that are out there, um, uh, you know, the Paul Krugmans and stuff. Uh, it, 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 <laughs> You tell me these people don't actually understand the arithmetic on this? But, but, okay. but me, what are you smoking?
0: Well, let me ask you, let me, I won't say a personal question. I'll, I'll say a human question. Um, I understood it because I was giving people, I was, the, the company, I was doing some of the calculations, I was giving people a 10% raise just on cost of living in the plant in addition to their regular raise. But because I wasn't a union person, I got stuck with the maximum of the non-union people at 5%. Right. So, so I mean, I, I I saw it happen. I mean, I saw it happen to me. I saw how uneven it was. I'm not so sure that the Paul Krugmans of the world, even though they know probably the economics more than I do, they're, they're a PhD and I'm not, I don't think they have a clue of how it actually manifests itself on individual people because they've never been there. I don't think they're... I don't, I think they're lying because they, they refuse to dig deep enough, but I don't think they're actually in their mind that they're lying. They they just never felt it.
3: Carl. Yeah, I, I well, I don't know. I I guess I, I guess one of the things that that always gets me about this is that the you know oh that that's those people are all full of ivory tower you know crazies. They never experienced any of this. Um, yeah. By the way, do you see you see a thing from the who was it? I think it was one of the Fed people that said, "Oh yeah, prices are up, but you know, but it's not really that big of a deal to me." Makes four hundred thousand dollars a freaking year. Yeah, well, of course, it doesn't matter to him. Well, actually, well of course, to her. Uh, but uh, gee, uh, yeah, okay, so you notice it, but you don't care because you make four hundred grand a year and you can absorb it. How about the schlub that makes
0: forty? Well, actually, if, if if you knew anything about accounting, it, it does matter to her because if she if she buys gas, the, the 25 right. extra bucks that she put in the tank is not going into savings. Well, nobody else has a savings account, basically. So at least right. she's... Got, well, but, but, even but it's she not going should, into
2: the market, either.
0: But, but even she should know that's $25 less going than a bank.
3: Right. Right. But, I mean, it's but it just... It's one of those things that it's... When I see stuff like that in the media, is insane. It's well, truly crazy. I... For, for people in that sort of a situation, it's like Al Gore pontificating about how we all have to, you know, we all have to conserve energy and don't drive SUVs. The guy lives in a ten thousand square foot mansion in Tennessee, and he has a forty foot boat that eats dead dinosaurs, like the one I used to own. Oh
0: well, yeah, well, it's a, I mean, I I, re, I remember being in uh, when I used to do the stuff for the various vendors at Pullman. Okay, the the, the steel guys got an increase. Well, we didn't use as much steel; it was aluminum. But we do some steel. The aluminum guy got an increase. The truck guy got an increase. And I got to the guy doing the lighting, and I go, "Wait a minute! This this goofball doesn't have a a thing in his contract." I bet he lost money, Carl. Yeah, but, but and
3: I and I mean, but what? But I see, you know, I see the bite in in places where discretionary spend can go. I the the gas demand thing. I, I saw in gasoline demand numbers that one was unexpected I everyone has said oh no people aren't you know, aren't really modifying things well I'll tell you what I, I can tell you right now being here in Tennessee in a, in a major tourist area I can tell you just from looking at the traffic on the roads that this summer you can you could, could spend all the happy dance nonsense you want traffic levels are way down and it's it is simply because every time you go into the gas station you stick the nozzle in your tank here you, you go, what?
0: Well, I, I'm going to say I'm gonna say two things. Both both stories from... We only got a, a minute here. Both stories from my bro. Who, he, he'll never admit it, but he actually uh, noses around like I do when he talks to people. One of the guys in his neighborhood in the southwest side, the gas station owner, said, you know, I'm, I'm getting killed here. There's nobody here. And it's not just the gas. Nobody comes in and buys a bottle of water or Twinkies. Where else are you doing here? He goes, I'm getting murdered. And yet... We have somebody who's maybe an extent. He's, I think he's a friend of a client. He's probably not a client. Uh, owns a gas station somewhere in Wisconsin where people are doing the the vacation thing, which is now like scrunched into like six weeks because kids are going back to school next week. For God's sake! Uh, right. I mean, and he said that th- he's doing like double last year. That the, the well, th- there's
3: oh, there's certainly been winners. I I mean, if you good lord, you take a <laughs> but anybody that thinks that you know that there
0: is no broad economic impact in this stuff is nuts well yeah well Carl we got the uh, you were right about the spooze. that's down 42 as if down 181 so we don't like these numbers uh, bonds are down a whole two, uh well ex- ex- TLT is down uh, down uh, two bucks here and we've got the where we got the ten year. Uh, TNX
3: is up 4.19%
0: yeah yeah that's a lot down yep. uh, back up to Big 2.79 move. Carl thank you very much talk to you next week buddy
2: Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708 403 2727. Dax Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1 800 821 4968.
3: Report back to me when, uh, I don't know, when it makes sense.